welcome to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, one meal at a time. The Plan Simple Meals podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier, happier home. Listen in for informative conversations and valuable strategies to make meals healthy, meaningful, and fun. Let's do this. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Meals podcast. I have Anne Sarkeesian on the episode today, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear this content. So this is a little different than what's been playing the past couple weeks when we've really been focused on work-life balance, uh, because this is a little bit more nuanced. So as you may know, if you're my listener, um, the Plan Simple Meals book that came out was a lot about systems and working through picky eaters and creating a rhythm to your food. But throughout the book, there was also recipes. So some people consider it a parenting book, others consider it a cookbook. But if you're reading it for the cookbook part, all of the recipes are gluten-free. And this is because it's really easy to add gluten, but it's a little harder to take it out. And in our family structure, we've had to take gluten out for both myself and one of my daughters. So I really wanted to get Anne on the podcast today because she has just a wealth of knowledge about how to know if you should. I mean, she pretty much thinks everyone should go gluten-free, but how to know if you should get glu- go gluten-free, what the tests are. Um, and she speaks really, really honestly about why she thinks gluten is so bad. And it's a very fact-based episode. So again, it's a little different from what we've been hearing, but it is super, super informative. So if you have experienced brain fog or any sort of ailments that you can't figure out what's going on or your kids are sick all the time or you're sick all the time, this is definitely a must listen. So for any new listeners out there, I feel like I tell my story 150 times a day, but if you haven't heard my story, when I changed my diet, which meant that I actually went gluten-free and vegan, um, and my whole family is not that way, but that's that's for another episode. But they're mostly that way. That's like the, I call that the base of our diet. But when I took out the gluten, I solved medical issues that I didn't even realize were medical issues that or that they could be solved by food versus the medicines I was taking. I got a period that I had never gotten without medicine in my life, and I ended a pretty annoying battle with seasonal allergies, big poofy eyes all the time, sneezing all the time. I literally couldn't even be within 20 feet of a cat, much less in a building one had ever been in. And in the seven years since I gave up gluten, that has gone away. So anyway, Anne is going to make a great case when we get her on the line for why we shouldn't have gluten. And then make sure to stay in the conversation. I don't talk a lot about why one should take out gluten, but I have a lot of systems, practices, ideas for how simple it can be to get that done if that's something that becomes important to you. All right, so let me just introduce Anne in a little bit more detail. So Anne Sarkeesian is the author of a book called The Toxic Staple and an advocate for gluten intolerance. Anne and much of her family were diagnosed with a gluten intolerance, and since then, she has been learning extensively about the problem with gluten. 
She is a mother and grandmother, and her experience with one of her grandsons got her started on this journey, and we'll hear that story on the podcast. In addition to her work in gluten intolerance, Anne is an artist and gardener, and she is quite an amazing and lovely woman who I actually met at a gluten-free expo that I was talking at, and she was there with her book. And we struck up a conversation, and I knew I had to get her on the show so that you guys could learn from her because she definitely thinks a lot more detail-oriented than I do. All right, let's get Anne on the show. Today on the episode, I have Anne Sarkeesian, who is an author, an artist, a grandmother, and a, obviously a mom too, because she got to be a grandmother. So she has three daughters and four grandchildren. And she's written this amazing book called The Toxic Staple, which is how I initially found her. We met at a gluten-free expo. So welcome, Anne, to the show. Thanks so much, Mia. I'm happy to be here. Oh, good. I'm excited to have you because I, I feel like lately we've had a lot of sort of mindset-y type conversations, and I know that you're going to be full of facts, and I'm excited to dive into that. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit, will you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you figured out that gluten, and I, I'm a, I think dairy too, right, don't work yes. so well for you? Yes. Um, and those are the, the things that don't work so well for us either in our family. So will you, will you tell us how that sort of came to light, and then we'll get a little bit more into the nitty-gritty of it all. Well, at age two, my um, my oldest grandchild was very healthy looking, but by age five, he was a very compromised child. He was ripped thin, pale, irritable, had bone pain, muscular pain, um, tummy problems, intestinal issues, didn't want to eat much, but the child was hungry all the time. Hmm. And, and that's a very big sign, I think, for parents to watch out for. If your child is always asking for food, it means it could mean that they're not absorbing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have a cousin whose wife had celiac, and after the th excuse me the third family get together that year, she said, "Well, how's Nick doing?" And um, she mentioned that, "Gee, why don't you get him tested? Uh, there's a new test out for celiac." And so we requested that test, and he was sky high. Mm -hmm. And so I started reading and reading and reading and um, learned about some tests and that there was a genetic predisposition. So I wanted all of us tested and come to find out we were all negative on the blood testing. And nowadays they generally only give one test, uh, but there's three that I had read about and requested. We were negative on those tests. And I found a gentleman who does a stool test that's very sensitive. We were all positive. Um, and that just was the beginning back in 2004 of uh, our adventure with a gluten-free lifestyle. And it's changed everybody's life, uh, it's including my own. So does that mean everybody came positive with celiac? Everybody was uh, not for celiac. The stool test is not for celiac. It's for intolerance to gluten. Got it. And I feel uh, th there are a few cutting-edge doctors who are not interested in whether you have celiac, but they recognize that whether you're gluten intolerant is a big issue. And so, uh, you know, it can manifest itself as celiac disease or as dermatitis herpetiformis, a skin condition, or as um, 
schizophrenia or other mental health conditions. I mean, it's it's huge. It can yep. affect you know any part of your body. Yep. Um, okay, so you found this out. You went like head first in, <laughs> which is awesome. As the grandmother, so I, I, actually this comes up quite a bit in families that you know sometimes somebody realizes that they're sensitive to something or they you know hear a story that resonates was did all of this go over well when you first came with all this information like was everybody really susceptible to this I know everybody's on board now well I mostly they were I think I mean at the beginning I started doing the diet out of sheer empathy for my grandchild I I was very distraught over this I thought how could his doctor not know this and you know I mean I I really think this child would have developed uh, a bone or a blood cancer. I've read too much about this topic, so mm -hmm. I, I would assume he would have been a very, very ill child if it had gone much longer. So I, I dove in supporting him out of empathy and come to find out, gee, I started to really feel good mm. and my fatigue was lifting and, you know, I, I wasn't getting sick as much and, gee, I dropped 10 or 15 pounds. Yep. And um, I think I'm skirting around your question, um, but I th I, one of my daughters, not too long after having the child diagnosed, um, she was just totally fading away. And she was negative on the blood test, mm -hmm. negative on the endoscopic biopsy. And uh, the blood tests and the biopsy, I'm very sorry, don't always uh, hold too much water for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I firmly believe in the stool testing, but also start with blood testing, but request uh, there's at least four tests that might get you an answer. And if they don't, then do the stool testing. And, um, and I spell it out in my book. Okay. And people can make copies and bring it to their doctor because their doctors are not giving enough testing. It's Got very it. sad. It's very uh, extremely it's disturbing because I know what's going on and what isn't going on. on and, this and, and anybody should be able to get the stool test. Uh, the stool test is out of pocket, unfortunately, yep. but it is money very well spent. When we were all negative, except for my grandson on the blood tests, I, I spent a good penny and I, I wanted everybody in my family tested for this because I'd read about it. And I knew that terrible things are involved with this over time if you ignore it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it affects your gut in such a way that your villi, if you were to hold your hand up with your fingers spread out, imagine each finger as a villi and your villi get destroyed and now make a fist. Whoops, all those little villi and all that absorption room has disappeared. So if you're not absorbing your vitamins and minerals, your yep. whole body can be affected in many, many different ways. And there's research on this topic on over 300 symptoms, diseases, and associated conditions. And I believe there's over 19,000 studies. Uh, it's probably approaching 20 at this point mm -hmm. um, on the fact that gluten is linked to so much illness. Yep. And it's just a huge topic. And you really need to know... Not whether you have celiac disease, but whether you're gluten intolerant. And if you are, um, you need to really face this. And I, I, you know, I might once in a blue moon touch dairy, 
except I'm looking at that in a different way too. Yep. I would never, ever consciously consume gluten. Interesting. Yeah. And it's funny because on the other side of it, um, it's not such a big deal. <laughs> like once you get, like once you get into it, I mean, it sounds so daunting at the beginning and it is kind of daunting, but once you get into, I feel like any habit, it really is, it really is doable. And especially today. Um, it's, oh, excuse me. Yep. It's very, it's very, very doable. And, um, you know, if you just try to eat healthy, um, and, and I'll take a little example, you know, you can buy some of those pre-done chicken finger things mm -hmm. and, you might want to really question as to is this real chicken or is this chicken mushed up something or other. I don't know. But you can make this so easily with yeah. a chicken breast yeah. or a chicken thigh. And I, I look in my fridge to see which flowers, you know, what do I have a little leftover flour from? And I just add my spices and salt and pepper and whatever and, you know, make your own. And it's so much more nutritious than anything uh, gluten-free that you can buy. You know, yeah. just because it's gluten-free doesn't mean it's healthy. <laughs> exactly. Well, and actually, I feel like that was one of the blessings of having a child who really couldn't have it mm -hmm. um, because we all were so skeptical. So I feel like a lot of people, quote unquote, go gluten-free and then it can be a little looser. Um, but when you, you know, when it really makes a huge, <laughs> when you are going to eat it and you're going to throw up for 24 hours and not feel good, you know, you, you think about it differently. And that was one of the, the huge lessons for me because I feel like there's this huge myth out there that it's expensive to eat gluten-free, which, you know what, it is if you buy all that processed food and go to bakeries and all that stuff. But actually, if you're eating healthy and gluten-free, I actually haven't found that as much at all because I'm actually spending less than I would have eaten before in my processed mode, which was where I was eight years ago. Right. Processed Before. junk food costs a lot of money. It does. It really does. Bags, I mean, three or four bucks for a bag of whatever. Yep. And and there's enough salt and stuff in it to make you want to eat it, so you polish it off in no time. And you're not, you know, and there's no nutrients to be absorbed, so you're hungry five seconds later. I've really come to appreciate the sweetness in an apple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So tell us a little bit. Will you tell us a little bit about what a day looks like for you and or and how you've sort of guided your family to have that day um as well like what what is for those people who are like gluten like how would I give that up I have a bagel every morning for breakfast and you know then there's the sandwich at lunch like ha tell us a little bit about how you navigated that at the beginning well there's uh there's right now there's so much gluten-free food out there yeah it's unbelievable I mean the bagels are pretty good yep and I just said to myself, Ann, you have to stop eating these because they were, I was putting on weight. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually have some pretty darn good gluten-free bread out there, too. Yep. And, and mixes. And, you know, I've got some in the cupboard, but my husband and I are now trying to, um, you know, watch the weight thing. And so we're trying to cut out the bread and uh, some of the heavier carbs. Yep. Just to be healthier. Yep. But... You know, we have always eaten pretty healthily. I mean, salads and veggies and potatoes and rice, that's all gluten-free stuff. Yeah, yeah. But you do have to become a label reader and yep. scrutinize your labels. And, and you really do need to take this very, very seriously. I mean, there's just 
too much bad stuff connected to it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get if you get a chance, your um your listeners can go to my website and uh in the right-hand corner, they can download a free report that has at least 50 symptoms and maladies linked. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's only about a sixth of the ones that there's research on. But it gives you kind of a big idea of some of the nasty stuff linked to this. And so keep an eye on your kids. I mean, I, I scrutinize people's faces and their physiques all the time, and I think, oh, my do I dare go over and talk to that mother? Oh, this is just killing me because I can see this child is looking malnourished. His color is lousy. He's thin. You know, he's irritable. Yep. Um, okay, <laughs> we'll put tantrums. <laughs> we'll put that link for sure um, in the in the show notes. So, and will you tell us what about gluten is so bad? Has something changed about it? Has it always been bad? For those people who don't have celiac, obviously, like for those people who are just sensitive to it, I feel like that number is growing. Well, so, I think they, I, you know, this was described centuries ago, yep. uh, cel- celiac disease was. Yep. And, but since the 60s, now I don't know if this is so, but I have a feeling it is. Since the 60s, they have hybridized the wheat so many times to make the head bigger so we had more wheat grain and um, then they were breaking and falling over because the heads were so heavy so they had to make them shorter and stouter and you know and they just kept changing and messing around with it that may have had something to do with it Mm -hmm. I mean I I understand that it hasn't exactly been genetically modified but it's been hybridized and I, I need to look into the difference on those two Interesting. But they also, there's a lot of talk about the, uh, with the GMOs, what they're doing to the corn mm-hmm. is dreadful. I'm afraid mm-hmm. to eat corn, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, the, I think they're using that glyphosate in the wheat fields to help hasten the ripening somehow. Mm-hmm. So the, I, I mean, this is, this is what's out there and what's happening. And uh, so I, it seems that there's a pretty recent, very long research article on glyphosate and gluten and kidney disease and, uh, you know, other cancers. And it, it's huge. Yep. And, the, and there's just not enough research even going on, in my estimation, um, you know, of what's going on. I, I, this this country is not terribly interested in wellness, mm-hmm. and um, it's there's just way too much illness out there, and not enough studies going on here in the states. There's not enough testing going on to to, to figure it out. Yep. And many people are being told they don't have this problem when, in fact, they are quite intolerant to gluten. Yeah, it's interesting. I will, and as you know, I just got back from tra- driving across the country for 12 weeks with my kids. And I was just this one, I was by myself for, for the first part of the country. And I was just kind of flabbergasted by how many hours of wheat fields I drove through. Like, compared to anything else I saw, you know, it was like, no wonder there's a problem. There's too many. <laughs> it was like, it was like 20 hours. <laughs> of wheat fields, which, you know, it only took 50 hours to get from one side to the other. Um, and I was just like, wow. And you know, it's there forever and ever and ever when you're driving in that flat part. 
Right. And so even as like a, just a balanced thing, cause I feel like it's so easy to get wheat these, you know, it's so easy to get gluten th- these days. Right. Um, that we must have shifted the balance of it in our diets over, you know, Oh yeah, definitely it's... over the you know past forty I mean, years it's... or so with cookies and you know because it used to be we if to make anything you'd have to bake it which took time and so you wouldn't bake bread and eat the whole loaf right then because then you'd have to go off and bake another loaf you know so you'd think about it more I think right yeah it, it's um I think the the wheat is it, it's in everything. Yeah. I don't understand why it needs to be in everything, but I was at the market one day and I bumped into a chef in a, from a really nice restaurant. And he said, oh, hey, Ann, there can't be any gluten in this. And he pulled a can of jalapenos off the shelf and there was. <laughs> and, you know, we were both flabbergasted. Yeah. And the, so, the, one that, the one that always gets me is salad dressing. Yeah. Um, and I remember a couple, you know, I think like two years into being gluten-free myself, I ended up in Paris in France and we were sort of at this hole in the wall. It was the only thing open and I was starving and I'm so used to only being able to get salad in places, but yeah. <laughs> really you have to go like a little, even here in the U.S., like you can't get salad at like a pizza parlor always because it does have gluten and cheese in it or nobody knows what's in the salad dressing. And right. so I was in kind of the equivalent in France. And so, you know, I ask because that's what you have to do when you don't want something. And literally the, the you know, everybody came out, the waiters, the chef, and they were just all laughing. Like, why would salad dressing have wheat in it? <laughs> like, we yeah. make it, you know? And I was like, oh, you make it. Of course you make it here. But, you know, that's not what's happening here in the U.S. Um, you know, we've made things complicated because I don't think oil vinaigrette dressing needs wheat in it. Absolutely not. No, <laughs> I've, I've always used, I mean, once in a blue moon, I'll buy a salad dressing. But oil, olive oil and vinegar with there's so many nice vinegars and... Salt and pepper and a little spice, a little oregano, you know. Yep. So let's go into dairy. So how? So you started off figuring out the celiac thing and the wheat. Right. Um, and then in your book, you include parts on dairy as well. Is that true? Um, I do write a little bit about dairy. And that, um, I, I discovered that in myself. I must have been reading a little about the dairy and we were taking drives to New Hampshire and changing drivers halfway. And I would go to get out of the car, and I would be so stiff I had to just stand there for a couple of seconds and kind of unmeld my body. And um, I wondered, gee, could this be linked to dairy? And, and lo and behold, you know, I took the dairy out and it disappeared. Yeah. Mm. So, and dairy also, anybody that's constantly clearing their throats, it could be dairy. Yep. Anybody that has lactose intolerance, I really think, um, I mean, I can't say for sure. I'm not a doctor. uh, But lactose intolerance is um, connected to your lactase enzyme is produced in the tips of your villi. So if you were to put your fingers up again and look at your little villi, each finger is a villi, it's in the tips that the enzyme for lactose, uh, for breaking it down, is produced. And so if you have lactose intolerance, to me, that could be a sign that you have damaged villi going on. Mm. Now, if there's 2% of the doctors in this country that know that lactose intolerance can be linked 
to gluten issues, uh, I'd be surprised, really. I, I am I, I'm very disturbed at, uh, you know, the fact that the research is all on one side of the river. Yeah, it's interesting because we actually found out that my... So, and I, I actually don't know if this is 100% true because I don't believe anything anymore, but somebody told me that you can't actually be lactose intolerant as a child, that that develops later, um, and but that many children are allergic to the protein that's in dairy. And right. So that ended up being, so we ended up, you know, my daughter can't have um, gluten or dairy, but because she's allergic to that protein that is really found throughout a cow, she actually can't eat like anything that's derived from a cow, the meats, you know, really silly things like gelatin. Wow. Um, yeah. It, it all hits her in the same way. It gives her eczema. She gets eczema and she gets sick. Like, okay. you know, she gets colds more. This is very tough for kids. And this is why parents look at your kids, look at your own health. If you have I'm not kidding you. I mean, almost anything seems to get better if you take uh, gluten out of your life. Yeah. It's no, amazing. And you don't want to ignore it because all, you know, if you have a problem with gluten, it's very likely your gut is very out of shape. There's a lot of talk about the gut biome and the health of your gut. And um, the longer you ignore it, the worse the condition gets, the more sensitivities you seem to develop. And I've had a lot of people tell me once they got the gluten under control, maybe the dairy also, and their gut had a chance to heal, then um, the little cells are coming back together. Because if you have a leaky gut, your cells, your cells are spreading apart and they're, not, they're letting in um, particles into your bloodstream that don't belong there. Mm. So and your body reacts to it. And, um, you know, it's tough for these kids because the longer you ignore it, the more, it seems, the more and more sensitivities that can develop over time and illness, yep. and allergies. I mean, it just goes on and on. I have a uh, chapter on cancer in my yep. book, on autoimmune disease, mm -hmm. on skin issues, um, on organ issues. And I'll tell you, it is... It's huge, huge information, and I'm an over-the-edge granny, and I want people to know about this, and they're not yep. finding out from their doctors. Yeah, well, and, and, and I just find it's funny because when we go to the doctor now, my kids just all are like, it's okay, mama. Like, we know. Yeah. They <laughs> um, you know, the, yeah, and it's it's fine, you know, and, and the same doctor if, with a broken arm or whatever is, is awesome, you know. And so part of it, I just think, is like we've gotten to this point and we haven't educated, like, we just are in this weird place where we just don't know as a society um, and we don't trust our bodies. So we were looking for the answers from the medical profession, right? But then they don't have them. Well, yeah, we're not sure what's wrong. So it's kind of this like weird, weird thing we're balancing on. There's uh, there's no major governmental body that I can see. Uh, the NIH or, or the AMA certainly isn't going to do it. Maybe the CDC. I don't know who is supposed to educate our doctors, you know, yep. on something like this. I mean, this is a worldwide epidemic. It is huge. And actually, celiac, they say, is one out of 100 roughly. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, forward, there's some forward-thinking doctors that are saying that it's affecting about 30% of the population. That's, a That's lot. one out of three people having a gluten intolerance issue. Yeah, That, that is enormous. Yep. 
And, and going back to the protein for a minute, it, it really is the protein with me that bothers me. It's not, it's not the lactose, I don't think. Mm. Well, it might have been the lactose in the beginning, but now, um, now that my gut has somewhat healed, you know, the old flatulence issue has disappeared, which so often comes along with lactose intolerance. Mm. But, but it's the protein. I think it's the casein. Mm. and it just hammers my body so I just really can't do it and every now and then I just want a little piece of cheese because yep. <laughs> I love cheese <laughs> and how what 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 are like the biggest things you've noticed both in your kids your grandkids and yourself in taking these things out you know what where where are the obviously the guts are healing but and what but what has that done you know you shared well, the, the weight and whatever but with the kids I guess with the kids uh well my grandson needed help getting up the stairs at night mm. when he was at our house having dinner we had to help him into his pajamas at age five okay any kid can put his pajamas on and get up the stairs but he was so exhausted so the fatigue yep. you know took a little while but that disappeared uh he was a very fidgety kid who could not sit and be still and play a game with you he had to be up and bouncing around and fidgeting and and he was irritable and almost a mean little kid you know mm. and um all of that changed and course his tummy felt better right away and after a few weeks or a couple months he started developing muscle but yep. the kid was uh, skinny as a rail yeah and the same thing with me you know I, I I noticed that the fatigue was lessening mm -hmm. and by the end of that first year my allergies had cleared my reactive airway which my doctor was calling it that but come to find out um she was probably figuring I'd have a flipping fit if I knew I had asthma, but that's basically what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and I realized that a few years later, after yep. being on the gluten-free diet, that that really was a form of asthma that I had. I don't deal with that anymore. My asthma, my allergies are gone. However, I did have dairy in the smack in the middle of the fall allergy season once, mm -hmm. and 15 minutes later, I was wanting to tear my eyes out. Mm-hmm. And so I just, you know, I realized that dairy needs to go also. Yep. And, and what do you find about your like healing time? So for example, we postponed this interview a little bit because you were sick. So do you find that you can bounce back from, I mean, a cold? Do well, can you, you know? Yeah. I hardly ever, ever come down with anything. And if I do, I usually hit the oregano oil. I take a couple capsules of that and then pound the fluids and if I do come down with something, it's usually because I'm not eating right. I'm racing around too much. It was just prior to Christmas. I, I'm a co-op member to um, the Clever Hand Gallery in Wellesley, so I have to put my time in there. Mm. And I was working double shifts two days in a row. Then Christmas was upon us. <laughs> and it's like, oh. So by the time you slow down, you crash, you know. Yeah, of course, of course. But it, it used to really hit me. And I'd get the sinus into the chest. I couldn't breathe. That doesn't happen anymore. That's awesome. I, I did get a bit of a, a heady thing, just, uh, you know, the stuffiness and the, the throat. But it clear, it's clearing up quickly. So what do you recommend people do? So, so I, I mean, I feel like almost every parent should be able to relate to, you know, especially if you have more than one child, somebody who is 
gets tired more often or the fidgety thing. I mean, I feel like, you know, everybody can relate to that. And I feel like the third thing we haven't really talked about is sugar, um, you know, which is the third ingredient that I talk a little bit about in my world. I think, um, yeah, sugar is, uh, I'm noticing sugar is hitting my body. I think I can have a bit of a sweet tooth and I just can't do it. Yeah. And I've been doing a, um, a detox program lately and I thought, um, I think I'm going to, I need to do this for some weight loss and detoxing. And I had a bursa hip thing going on from a hike I'd done yep. and it was taking months to heal. And I spent a lot of money on extraneous activities to help it. And come to find out, I mean, my thyroid was off. And I'm still on, I'm, I was on medication for it. But that's another whole program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but so so people who are, are picking up on like any of the little hints you've dropped throughout this. And surely Anne's book is like a wealth of, you know, other symptoms that you might Want, you know, and the, the sheet on her website are, you know, those are great ways to pick up whether gluten should be something you play with. But do you, do you believe everyone should be tested first? Oh, I, I really think if you have most any um, kind of chronic ailment going on, yep. that you should get tested. A lot okay. of people are hopping on the diet yep. and they're trying it. And yep. many of them are feeling better, but it also messes up the testing, if yeah. you should want to get tested. Yep. So I think this thing uh, is way too important. It, it can be way too devastating for your health. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, there's very nasty things linked to this. Uh, my table of contents is on the website. I mean, look at what's in that table of contents. You will know people yep. that need, need to get screened for this. Yep. And they can't just ask their doctor for testing because they're probably going to get one test and that one test, I have, uh, I read a study that said that 60 to 70% of the time, it's falsely negative. Hmm. And I think that's because they are setting the bar too high. So if, for example, 20 is the limit and above 20, 20 and above, you know, you have celiac. And if you're below 20, no, you don't. Hmm. Well, you don't go from being healthy to having full-blown celiac disease. Right. You know what I mean? There's a kind of a progression, and there aren't too many studies that talk about a continuum. A lot of people talk about this as black and white. You either have celiac or you don't. And I don't think that's right. I think there's a continuum of, on this thing. And so if you see, there's a couple of European studies, I think, that talk about if, if there's any antibody activity going on with the, the gliadin antibody, then um, something is happening inside of you that shouldn't be. And it's probably going to progress yep. unless you get rid of the little antigen wheat or yep. dairy or whatever it happens to be. Yep. So, and, and so since I'm assuming you meet a lot of people as they're figuring this out, what, what is your like tip to help them move forward <laughs> in that moment that you sort of know that you got to get this out? Oh, to help them move forward. Well, I, I just, you know, I, I look at some people, especially people that are my age, I'm right up there. <laughs> yep. And, um, 
and, and I know they have a good life because they have two houses or they go away for the winter or this or that, and, but yet they're telling me they have this, that, and the other, and they're all pretty nasty diseases and conditions. Yep. And I look at them and I say, do you like living? You need to, t- if you do, you need to really take this seriously and really look at it. Yep. Because your life can totally improve. And, and because there's so much bad stuff linked to this, I think that if you don't have that bad stuff going on, but maybe you've got some, you know, a few uh, not so bad things happening, address them now yep. before they get bad. There's one study by a great doctor, a brilliant doctor, and... Uh, trying to dredge up his name um it's not coming to me but he claims that there's antibody reactivity going on in your system possibly up to 10 years before the disease manifests yes i've heard this so you know if you have any gliadin antibody stuff happening or any casein or dairy antibodies going on, maybe you want to look at it. I mean, there's even talk about dementia, you know. I, I tried getting through to someone who had Parkinson's terribly. Mm-hmm. He had a terrible end of life. Mm-hmm. And um, there's there's been research around for probably at least 15 years uh, by a UK doctor and on all kinds of uh, neurological issues, a little yep. bit on ALS and... Um, well, I, I, a great MS story, a great yeah. autism story. I mean, it's just incredible information. Yeah. It's, well, it kills me. Excuse and, me. And that makes total sense to me because I found that was one of my most surprising findings was how clear you get right in your brain. Like, I mean, that was one of my things where I was like, whoa, you know, wow. I was like kind of foggy for a while there. Like who knew that that had anything to do with food? You know, you kind of blame it on different parts of your life. Like maybe it's a busy time or you're a mom or whatever, um, because I didn't figure this out until after I was a mom for myself. But it's crazy. It really does give you so much clarity in your head. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people talk about the brain fog. Yeah. And and it's amazing. The people that I run into that say, oh, we don't have that in our family. Oh, I don't think I have that. Well, you know what? There's no thinking about it. You can't just think you don't have it. You you really I need do. to get tested if you have stuff going on, and you need to do enough of the right tests. Yep. Okay. And that and the place we find out about the right tests is in your book. It, absolutely, chapter sixteen and seventeen, and um, it's yeah, it's big information. Cool. Yeah. Um. And so then let's let's. Is there anything else from the book that you want to share that, um, or just from your experience that you want to share? And then I was going to move into my final two questions. Okay. Well, well, just that, um, it's been a huge journey. I've met some fabulous authors through this and Mm. I've found out more about myself. I mean, if anybody had said 15 years ago, you will have written a book (laughs) that, that has endorsements from a Harvard doctor and a New Zealand doctor and other experts, saying that doctors should be reading your book, I mean, I would have said, you're absolutely insane. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, and I, every now and then sit down and look at the book to reread it because there is a lot of info in it. And I think, who wrote this? Did mm. I, I, how did I do this? I have no idea, but I was driven. I was over the edge 
ticked off enough at mainstream medicine yep. that I had to do this. And I, had you always had that inkling or you didn't even have that inkling until you saw your grandson? Like, had you always sort of known that food was connected, like maybe not gluten, but like, have you, have you always had that sort of had mind, body, food? No, no, no idea. Okay. No idea whatsoever. And I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine what shape my health would be in today and that of my family. Yeah. Uh, if we hadn't figured this out, I mean, I would probably be a shriveled up little old mid seventies uh, <laughs> woman who couldn't do anything, you know. Yeah. And some of my kids would be the same way because uh, we had a couple of nasty things going on, and thank yep. goodness everybody's in pretty good shape. That is awesome. Yeah. It so is. you gave us well, you gave us your website, but tell everybody how to get a hold of you and and where that is is also where this amazing sheet's going to be that we're all going to go download. Okay, so it's called uh, it's toxicstaple.com. It's the same name as my book. Mm-hmm. And um you can get it at Amazon, you can get it from my website. There's a little on the right-hand side there's the buy buttons for various uh, ebooks and the endorsements are there and the table of contents is there in a couple places. And um, it's it's big information tied into probably about 60 stories of people's lives turning around because they were able to figure this monster out. Yep. Monster will you just will you list a few um, of those those um, that you mentioned autism? Will you just mention those again, like 10 of them? Well, there's oh gosh, I'll see if I can pull 10 of them up. There's an incredible autism story that that is a must for anybody with an autistic child. Yep. Um, there's something on schizophrenia. Hmm. There's something on non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm-hmm. There are a number of cancers listed in the cancer chapter. Awesome. There's all kinds of autoimmune diseases with all kinds of research linking this to gluten, which is not to say gluten is causing it, but I really do wonder. Yeah. Nobody wants to come out and say the causal word, but um, it's looking kind of obvious, but of course you need some big studies to figure this stuff out. So, you know, it'll go on for a few more centuries probably. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, it can affect any part of your body from your brain to your neurons, to your muscles, your joints, your skin, uh, your organs, and it's um, it's huge. Yeah, you need to address it. Please, if your child is hungry, if your child is complaining about stuff, don't brush them off. Yeah, you've got to listen, and you've got to make sure you get enough of the tests done. And if you have any uh, serious questions, you can you can get through to me through the uh, contact page at the top on my website. Awesome. Shoot an email, and I love to hear from people. If you have a success story that you want to share, um, please do share it. I've got a blog going, and um, I'm trying to do that, but boy, is it hard. <laughs> it's very hard. I give you credit for doing this, what you're doing. Um, all right. So I'm, I actually, I am going to jump into our final question, except that you, you brought up a question that we hadn't talked about yet. So you said that your skin clears up. So do you have, is there stuff in there or do you have any thoughts on the other stuff? Cause that was one of the biggest surprising things to me was that gluten isn't just in food. 
it's in lipstick and body soap. And is that part of what you looked into as well? You know, I didn't get into that so much. I mean, I, I know that you have to be careful about lipsticks and lotions, especially because yep. if you're using your hands and then you touch yep. food. Yep. And, and really, it's um, oh just little uh, pots per million. You know, I mean, they're tiny little molecules yep. that uh, can set some people off and send them to the hospital. So uh, you've got to be careful of everything. And, you know, I've read and heard that shampoos with gluten don't get absorbed into your skin yep but a lot of other things do get absorbed into your skin so i don't know about that yep it's it's an interesting thing we'll have to have a podcast there's got to be someone out there (laughs) even your toothpaste uh, most of it probably is gluten free but you know i mean you have to scrutinize everything and and there's a lot of help out there too there's a lot of information on the web and um a few people like myself that just want people to know about this. Yes, I, and I love it. I love that you're so passionate about it when you are in a stage of your life where you don't have to do this. <laughs> it's awesome. So tell us, and I apologize everyone for the phone ringing in the background, but I'm in a new office and I don't know how to stop it. Um, but tell us, this is the question I ask everyone at the end of every podcast, to tell us about a meal that impacted you. And it could have been the food, it could have been the company or some aha you had while at the table. Well, you know, I, I just want to comment on the Christmas meal that we had. Um, hmm. Our family, the extended family of a, a couple of, oh, a few aunts and uncles that are left, and their kids and their kids, we've been having a gathering Christmas afternoon for decades at our mm-hmm. house. And, you know, at first there's an array of a long table that used to be my grandmother's at, uh, for, for appetizers. And then there's an array of dinner and an, an, another array of desserts. Mm. And I have to say that this year, I think the only entree was a broccoli dish that was not gluten-free. And my daughter makes a, the gluten-free version, and she makes it times three because we all love it so. And otherwise, um, just about everything. There was one pie that was not gluten-free, and I don't think she'll probably ever bring another glutinous pie again because I think my husband made some wisecrack. <laughs> she's, uh, she'll probably, she's a wonderful pie maker. And usually she brings everything gluten-free, but anyway. But, um, you know, it's just coming around, and other members of the family are recognizing that they survive better on a gluten-free diet. So little yeah. by little, it's... Um, it's seeping in, but everybody respects our way of living, and most of them really try to cope with it. And you know, and and I always make a huge pot of pilaf. And the first time I made it, I used um, I used rice noodles, but I wasn't thinking about the fact that these noodles are going to turn to mush if mm. I put in too soon. So of course, I I made it the way I usually did, and I added the noodles at the beginning. And they did turn to mush. So um, since that time, I put my noodles in the last three to five minutes, depending how thick they are. And uh, that's one of the best parts of Christmas. The kids love it. There's always a lot left over to share with them. And um, that's one of our staples, gluten-free pilaf. (laughs) I love that. And I love the part that 
everybody is understanding and that eventually it leads to everyone actually even enjoying. Cause I think that's such an important thing for all the listeners to take in because a lot of times what stops us is that we feel like we're going to always feel left out or judged, or we don't want to be that person, but really everybody who cares for you, loves you, even as an acquaintance of you wants you to feel good, right? It's just that some of us don't know that this doesn't make us feel good yet. Um, so go for it. <laughs> well, there's a lot of folks that have this thing going on and they have no idea and their doctor doesn't either. So they, they, you really need to become your own advocate. You need to get educated. You need to do um, the testing to find out because if you see it in black and white, and especially if you read the, um, the stool testing, the report I got back, if you want to avoid, and then he rattled off a half a dozen terrible diseases. If you want mm. to avoid these diseases, you need to do this diet 100% for the rest of your life. And let me just say that, to me, celiac disease is not a disease. Celiac is an issue that is being caused by a toxic entity that man is not meant to consume. Some yeah. of the research talks about how we are not meant to consume wheat. Yep. And it's, it's doing us in in a very big way. Yes. All right. So on that note, we are going to, to stop the episode because it's amazing. And it's, I don't want to keep anyone on too long. And I hope everyone goes and gets the book, especially. I feel like everyone should get the book just because we all know somebody who has one of the things that you listed. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's. We, we only know what we don't know. I di- you didn't find out about this till you were a grandmother. I didn't find out about it till I had three kids in myself. And thank goodness, because I was able to help my daughter, who actually was three too. So we both found these, ch- helped these children at three. Um, so, so everyone, we all need to do our part. And thank you so much, Anne, for being on this episode. Thank you so much, Mia. You're welcome. Thanks and all your hard work. Oh, you're welcome. All right, you guys. I hope you found that really informative. I know that I learned a lot, so I'm assuming that you did too. Lots of great information about the tests we should get taken, which ones are good. And if you want more info, her book, Anne's book, is a great wealth of information. It's very sort of fact-based. So it's really good for getting diving deeper into some of the stuff that we talked about. So... At the end of every episode, I share three doable changes from the episode. I really believe that in order to take on our health, we have to do it one doable change at a time because as a whole, it feels really overwhelming. So my recommendation is for every Sunday to pick your next move and figure out how to plan for it for the rest of the week. Schedule it into your calendar. Have activities that you do around it, have fun with it, but make space for it so you can actually make it happen. And I think what you'll find is if you approach your health this way, that at the end of a year, you will have at least 50 new habits. And when I took it on all at once, at one point in my life, I ran into a problem, got, I think, a sick child, busy day, week at work, and I found myself with no healthy changes under my belt. So this way really works. All right, so let's talk about three things that Anne shared. Number one is get tested. 
The idea of changing your lifestyle might feel daunting, but as Anne and I discussed, it's not that hard to eat gluten-free, especially these days, you guys. The first step before you start playing with your diet is to get tested. So Anne recommends particularly the stool tests, and you may need to push for testing with your doctor, but it's really worth knowing the facts. And I have to say with gluten, because I ran into this problem myself, you have to get tested at the beginning because you need the gluten in your system. The second you decide to play around with going gluten-free and then get tested, you actually need to reintroduce it in order for the test to be conclusive. All right, so get tested. The second thing is pay attention to your kids. So Anne knew something was off with her grandson even before they got tested. The things that you might want to watch out for are complaining of hunger frequently, even after eating, not wanting to eat, unusual irritability, inability to focus, skin issues, frequent illnesses. The list kind of goes on, but keep track of what's happening and ask about gluten testing. So our kids are not meant to be sick, you guys, and I think that we have learned to believe that this is okay, but all these things are things that we should go seek help for. So my daughter, for example, she had a lot of eczema. She had that thing of she was always hungry after she ate, and she was sick all the time. And she was also actually incredibly irritable, which was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for us and got us to take action because we realized having three kids who weren't as irritable and we were parenting them the same way, that maybe something was a little off. So doable change number one is get tested. And doable change number two is just pay attention. That just might look about like setting aside time to just really without judgment watching your kids and seeing if there's something that food might help. All right, slow down. So Anne talks about getting caught up in the holiday rush and not taking care of herself. So you need to slow down, you guys. Eat the things you know serve your body. Drink enough water. Move your body. Sleep. If you have a really busy day or stretch of time, Make a plan to work the basics into your day before you crash, all right? Those are three amazing doable changes. I hope you pick one and play with it this week. And I will see you guys on the next episode of the Plan Simple Meals podcast. And on that episode, we are going to dive way deeper into this whole concept that I'm so glad Anne shared about slowing down. All right, you guys, bye for now. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share Plan Simple Meals with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. I absolutely love sharing simple solutions to help busy families eat clean and live well. Visit healthymomsmeetup.com and come join in on the fun. In our free group, you can chat with me and other health-seeking moms, get new recipes and tips, and never be at a loss in the kitchen again. Come join the fun at healthymomsmeetup.com. I cannot wait to meet you there.